It's time for the Talent Talk Radio Show, brought to you by People G2, a nationwide leader in background checks and employment screening solutions. People G2 gives their clients access to the best human capital management and due diligence tools available. They are dedicated to helping their clients with all of their people-related decisions. To learn more, go to www.peopleg2.com. Talent Talk centers on the topics of talent recruitment and management, leadership development, company culture, and employee engagement. These are all timely topics for CEOs, entrepreneurs, HR professionals, and business leaders. We hope that as you tune in to listen each week, whether to the live broadcast or to the podcast on iTunes or iHeartRadio, that you hear something you can take away that will help you grow and impact your career in a positive way. And now, here's the host of the Talent Talk Radio Show, the founder and CEO of People G2, Chris Dyer. Good afternoon and welcome to Talent Talk. We are back for another uh, episode where we're going to be talking, you know, really here in June, we have been focusing on uh, people who can help us during these sort of difficult times uh, right now with COVID and also talking to businesses that are uniquely sort of dealing with uh, whether it's radical growth or if it's um, just sort of being more in the news or sort of highlighted because of what's going on. And uh, today is no exception. I'll get to who my guests are in just a moment. But, you know, we're trying to learn from from different businesses in different ways. And we thought we'd kind of put, put, put a couple people under the microscope or I guess on a magnifying glass, would be a better way to put it here as we uh, go through the month of June. So, you know, I've had the privilege of meeting so many uh, wonderful leaders, inspiring leaders, people that can teach us something uh, that have a, a you know unique opinion and may, make you think about something about how maybe you are moving your company forward, how you're managing your people, um, and how you may be taking care of yourself. So, you know, this, hopefully here in the show today, our, our goal is to to get some of those ideas out, to talk about some of those things, and, and, and really flush out some stories. We love kind of hearing some of the best stories from our guests about things that they have done and, and things that they plan to do. And I, I've been fortunate. I was... Uh, I took a lot of those stories along with my own personal story with what my company, People G2, uh, has done over the years and put that into my first book, which is a bestseller, The Power of Company Culture. So check that out if you're interested in, in learning more and hearing some of the best stories uh, from the show, from everyone, from guests from Southwest Airlines to Rubio's to uh, General Motors. We've, we've had uh, quite a quite a, a great uh, list of people on, and, and, and that is no different uh, today. We're keeping that uh, high standard up. You know, don't forget we are live every Tuesday, 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. You can go to talenttalkradio.com to subscribe. You can also go to iTunes to subscribe. But we are live on that TuneIn uh, radio as well if you want to listen live. But most of you come in after the fact, and that's okay, and listen to the podcast. But uh, we also love to interact with people um, on Twitter. So if you're following us at PeopleG2 or you're following the hashtag Talent Talk, my uh, social media, maybe even Sarah will be kind of putting in the best little one-liners, putting in the best uh, links to books or things that maybe have been mentioned. Uh, so if you are maybe listening and can't jot things down, you know, it's a good place to kind of have a little repository of some of the things that we talked about today. So, you know, make sure you follow us there. All right. As promised, uh, we'll get to who our guests are today. My first guest will be Mike Miller. He is the Director of Talent Acquisition at Chipotle, somewhere you may have all been eating a little bit more, uh, which is a good thing, because uh, it's good food with everything going on. And then after uh, we talk to Mike, we'll be bringing in uh, Paul Gibbons, who's uh, returning to the show 
Uh, he is a uh, best-selling author uh, who specializes in culture and change. Like I said, we'll bring him in in the second half. But let's go ahead and get to my first guest, Mike Miller. Mike, welcome to the show today. Oh, thank you so much, Chris. How are you? I'm doing well. You know, it's uh, things are things are a little bit better, I guess, than they were a few weeks ago. And but you know, maybe it's still a little stir crazy. I have to admit, but uh, things aren't completely uh, up and going where we're at. But uh, anyways, but how how are you doing? How are you handling everything that's going on? Maybe you can kind of introduce yourself to everyone. Yeah. What's important for us to know about you, and of course, your role over at Chipotle. Yeah, well, I, I'm the I'm the uh, I'm the head PA dude over at. Uh, over at Chipotle, and it, it has really been, um, you know, it's been my honor uh, to be a part of the company and to be a part of, of uh, you know, really our transformation over the past couple of years. And so I'm a, a Southern California native and then spent a little bit of time in Nashville, but my country music career didn't really pan out, Chris. So then <laughs> I, was, uh, <laughs> I was in downtown Nashville one day at the dog park with a dog, mind you, contemplating my fate as you do. And uh, a, a person who's been so instrumental and critical in my in my career, Maurice Andrade, who's our our chief people officer at Chipotle, who I had the I've had the pleasure of uh, supporting at some pretty cool places like Red Bull and GameStop, gave me a ring and she said, "Hey man, I just landed at Chipotle and I think these are your people and come on out here and and uh, and and help us out." And so that was uh, a little over a little over two years ago, and you know, little did I know it was a, a you know reorganization and a uh, a relocation and, um, you know, really the opportunity and the chance to work with Marisa and help her build, uh, knowing what she can do with culture was just about enough to convince me to leave Nashville and head out to Columbus, Ohio, where I'm calling you from today. <laughs> well, you know, I can imagine uh, if you really were contemplating another, uh, the music part, you know, am I going to start it? Am I going to do it again? Am I going to have another band? Am I going to do another thing? I've been there and that is a, Man, it's a tough decision. So I'm sure if you had a good friend call you and say, "Hey, I'm at this great place. Come, <laughs> come, come and help. Let me give you a great job and come work at this great place." Uh, it, it doesn't take much arm twisting. So, but you know, beyond I guess the personal connection you had with with that person, uh, with your CPO, maybe you could kind of talk about what it is that attracted you to Chipotle specifically. You know, the brand and the business, yeah. uh, and what makes them you know such a unique employer. Well, you know, first and first and foremost, I, I think that um, in in my career, I've I've learned to not chase money and not do things for money, right? So, uh, you know, as we're seeing now, uh, life can be interesting and it can be very mercurial, and and so one of the things that you have to do is understand what your passions are and align yourself with people who are like minded. And so, a little bit of a no brainer. You said some you know nice things about the brand. Uh, uh, at the intro, and I, you know, really appreciate it because I've been a fan. I've been a fan for you know for many years. Uh, my my whole family has been, and so you know, I I have I had you know great feelings um, about the brand, and I was really intrigued. And I think any time that you can, you know, any time that you can be a part of reinvigorating a, a brand that you already love, I mean, it's just it's kind of a it's kind of a no brainer, and so. Um, had the chance after uh, Marisa uh, called me to visit Denver, where uh, where we were founded and and based until a few years ago, and and had the opportunity to spend really some some pretty intense time the first few weeks with our executive leadership team, and so it was interesting because a lot of times people will say, ah, you know, Red Bull, that that must have been great, and it was great, but what's really unique about this opportunity, it was the 
you know, look, there's a lot of smart people in companies, and we have lots of them, but that's not necessarily that that cultural glue. What was different here was the the you know certainly yeah, the intelligence, but it's you know the the alignment, I think the inquisitive nature and the the commitment of this leadership team to really you know honor the brand and then create this really awesome future forward vision um which has helped us so much uh through uh, the the you know the last few months which has been challenging for everybody certainly so i just thought you know i can help this group of people catalyze their vision for people and i wanted to do that um right. so that's what really appealed to me uh, also you know look our purpose is to cultivate a better world and i think now more than ever uh so critical so critical that we do whatever we can with whatever we are given to be of service to others and so you know i think that that service orientation the opportunity to learn from the leadership team to help build out our people experience team and really do everything that we can to go from you know what in some respects was kind of this transactional human resources model to a, a to a transformative people experience model, Chris. You know, uh, one thing that I always admire about companies is if I if I see them in a situation where maybe things haven't gone right, yeah. you, you look at how they react, you look at That's what right. they do right. to 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 make a change. Because if anyone has ever owned a business or or run a business, you you know things happen. Not all your clients know yeah. about them, but problems happen, and so it's how you react to those things. And so exactly right. You know, I, I've always been uh, sort of impressed at in following Chipotle and how they've dealt with things that have happened specifically to them. Uh, I, I think first and foremost, but beyond that, you know, sort of then the, there still was this radical transformation. There was still you know sort of record high stock prices and. Um, you know, and the and the brand began to to evolve. Uh, it, it, maybe you could kind of talk about you know how things have changed more recently. But you know, I'm really interested uh, to wonder if some of the things that happened to Chipotle in the past maybe prepared it to be more prepared for what was happening to all of us today, right? I mean, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Go ahead, hey, Chris. I, I think that's a it's a great it's a great call out, and I I'm proud of the. Of the, you know, again, like the, I think the heart, the guts, the humility of the organization. Certainly, we wouldn't wish food safety issues on 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 anyone. But then, you know, you look at it in hindsight and say, undeniably, uh, you know, for us, look, food safety isn't just, you know, it's not just processes and procedures. It's truly now embedded in our culture, in our DNA. And so you have those opportunities where, you know, perhaps you're, you're, you're struggling or you're in the proverbial valley. And so, you know, you have to stay balanced. You have to stay, you know, again, have that humility and understand what can we learn from this. And, and, and for us, it's not just a matter of cultivating a better world for us within the, you know, walls of our respective restaurants, but it's really reaching out and, and making the whole ecosystem uh, better for, for everybody, you know? So I think that, uh, you know, to your point, what you learn is how to navigate. What you learn is how to, is how to pull together, how to win. And, and, and a huge part of that is finding the right people. So, so much of our efforts over the past couple of years uh, have been centered around finding the right in, in you know finding the right individuals and really building capability in the organization right because then that's what starts to 
to um, you know allow you to realize your um, your purpose and and live your values. And so so those issues, while that you know I wasn't there when they happened, but I'm very close to um, to to so many of the team members who were. And and you know it also created an interesting situation for us. So we have many newer team members, uh, me included. And when I look at you know the secret salsa, if you will, of the organization, it has to do with our legacy team members who lived through that, really embracing the the newer our, our newer team members. And so you know it's not a place where you come in and you're and you're hazed and there is no trust. It's like if you're t- if we want world class talent, right, and we want to do everything we can to um, foster your growth, foster your development. And as part of that, you know, indeed, sometimes there are things uh, that, that the public may not see. And, you know, in this case, we lived through this somewhat somewhat publicly, and I'm really proud of the way that we navigated it and, and didn't um, brush it off and were able to become stronger because of it. So that's the key. It's like we all make mistakes. There are, there are things um, uh, that, you know, we take and they wind up being really, you know, vitamins in our respective processes and development. So I think that's how we viewed it. And it certainly did give us a little bit of, of, of an advantage with, um, with the situation that we're in right now. So let's talk a little bit about, you know, I guess the part of what you are directly, uh, in charge of, and that is that we're bringing on the right talent at the right time. Yeah. And, you know, there, there are so many great examples. Uh, Southwest Airlines is one. You can go to Starbucks. I mean, you, you go into those uh, experiences, and nine times out of ten, the person you're dealing with is fantastic. They're smiling. They, they're warm. They greet you. They make you feel like you made a good decision in, in you know, using or showing up at, at their at their place of work, right, to, yeah. to, do, to do whatever you need to do. And I think Chipotle is certainly a company that has – uh, begun to become a part of that same discussion where, you know, again, nine times out of 10, I go into Chipotle and the people are happy to be there. They are, uh, they're warm and they're friendly, you know, and, you know, I, I think about one of the things that I notice uh, among those companies I mentioned is there's a great deal of transparency about what's happening in most of that process, right? In Southwest Airlines, there's a lot of transparency. Here in Starbucks, you can see what's happening to your coffee, the, the whole time it's being made. You're in Chipotle, you can see what's happening to your food the whole time it's made. Um, right. and, and I and that certainly probably has a, a component to it. Uh, where we feel trust, we feel, you know, whereas I, I can think of a lot of other fast food places I can go into and I can't see what's happening to my food and the people don't seem very happy to be there. They don't seem to be valued. They're generally grumpy. You know, so <laughs> what else goes into that equation, right, for us to to have that, that great experience at, at a Chipotle? It's, it's, it's pride for the brand and pride for the people. Um, it, it, it's it's a it's a family, and I, I realize that 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 may sound um, mildly unusual given the fact that we have eighty five thousand employees. But I would venture to say that there's more of a family, a, a genuine family vibe than far smaller organizations that I've that I've worked for. Um, it's also the fact that we're not you've know, got trying to hit you over the head with whatever people experience, HR, talent acquisition, um, business acumen or knowledge that I may have. I, I want to partner, and we're all like that. You know, the, 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 the bonds and the relationships, uh, the, the partnerships that we have and people experience with operations, with marketing across the organization are 
it, you know, it's like nothing that I've ever experienced, and that it, it, and it's it's truly special. And I think that if you get the right executive leadership team in place, then that pride really trickles down through the organization. And keep in mind, we take class-leading benefits. We take amazing care of our people, and 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 we're probably a little bit ahead of the curve, also um, on on uh, on you know class leading benefits that ensure uh, you know mental fitness for you and your and your family which is certainly coming in handy right now again you know given everything that we're going through so I, I I think that I think it's 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 pride rooted in vision values a leadership team that that truly cares and is truly uh, responsive you know it's I think it's it's very easy in organizations to do a lot of lecturing a lot of a lot of talking. This is this is a team that really knows how to pivot, be quiet, listen, learn, and then activate on the needs of our people and of our team. And that's what I'm proud of. Well, and and we see so many examples of this, and I I think I know the answer to it. But I mean, you can easily look at a lot of the brands that I've mentioned. You could throw In and Out in there. You could there's some more certainly good good, good candidates, but. You know, are they are they providing better benefits, and are they paying those people a little bit better because they value and they're finding these better people, right? Or do these better are these better people attracted to these brands that are paying better and have better benefits and treat their people well, or is it you know some some random combination of of you know there's, yeah, there's some on, on each camp, right? But yeah, that, that, there's a remarkable difference, right, between what's happening in yeah. those things and that's happening at some of those other restaurants that we could think of. Absolutely. So, you, it's it's changed. I, I don't you know. I, I don't know what what um, it, you know if you've experienced this with with your you know because you've been you've had your your organization for about what twenty twenty one years, right? Right. Yeah. So I you know I what I found um, you know even back to the back to the Red Bull days and prior to that I was at Hot Topic and and the 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 conversation from a candidate perspective. Um, you know, first and foremost was really about uh, was really about wage was about money, and I've seen it shift significantly in the last few years. And here, I mean, I'll give you an, an example. And I was I was uh, you know, even even chatting with our our chief people officer and our CMO uh, at some point last year, and we were just kind of we were kind of taken. Uh, you know, taken aback in a good way at the notion that we could use our sustainability report for for recruiting purposes because that conversation has changed. So when you look at people that we're in, employing now, and, you know, like probably half of my team is younger than my oldest daughter, and what's what's important to them, and if, if they're listening, certainly, you guys, I know, I know comp is important to you, but making a difference is important, being right. of value, knowing, you know, right, and, and that's, that wasn't necessarily native to me, but I think it's better than what was native to me, and I and I get it. So uh, you know, I, so I think to answer you more specifically, you know, I, I pick option option three, Chris, which is it, it's it's a, it's a blend. You have to people have to know that you uh, you know they don't essentially care how much you know unless they they know how much you care. So that's a piece of it. But above and beyond that, you have to have you know really have some tangible efforts to grow and and develop them you know so you know we're 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 very much about you know growing the company by by growing the talent so yeah you know those are my those are my thoughts on that chris yeah and 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 so chipotle certainly has demonstrated like i said this this um uh, willingness uh and sort of proof that to take care of its clients to to 
you know, make its customers feel feel comfortable to to show you exactly what's happening with the food. It's a completely transparent experience, right? Uh, it, you're you're very locked in on what you guys do. You're not you don't have a menu full of fifty things. Um, so I think that sets your 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 employees up for success, right? To to do what they need to do, you know, in a very to to do what they do really well instead of trying to do a lot of things. Okay, um, and, and then of course we, we talked about benefits look, and all of that. Sorry, it, it, how do you we embed consistency and excellence, and 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 you make excellent, you know, you make great points, right? In order to do that, you you it, it, we're not switching up the model and what you know and love. And there's also, a, a, I think, a comforting aspect of that, given everything that's happening right now. So it's, it's, right. it's certainly, certainly plays to our favor. Yeah. So we take those things, we take the experience, we take what your employees are getting out of it and the great experience they're having. And, and certainly, uh, you know, what you guys are doing right now. But what do you think that that looks like in five or 10 years? You know what I mean? Uh, is it, is it, is it, Keep moving the way you're moving. Uh, do you think that the company is going to evolve in some way? Do we have a Chipotle burger? I mean, you know, wh- wh- where do you see the company going in five to ten years? I, I, I would venture to say that we probably will not see a, uh, a Chipotle burger. But I'm happy um, to hear that. But go ahead. <laughs> I know, right? Um, exactly. Exactly. There are there are other places we can go for such things. But um, you know, what's been interesting really for for us and 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 certainly you know not a not a surprise but you know one of the other aspects of our ability to pivot and and succeed and and stay open and be of service to our employees and our guests during this time has been um, being able to activate a really robust digital model um, that has been in in the works for you know for a couple of years so our 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 tech team Kurt, Cole, and Colin, and you know we have some really wonderful people who've been working on this. But the interesting thing, right, is that all of a sudden we had to shift very quickly and probably, you know, activate um, within a couple of weeks on on what was um, you know initially a much longer timeline. But we're able to do that and be of service when people most needed us. And so that's that's really really been critical. So I think that you'll you'll con- you will continue to see us lean in heavily um you know that went from you know prior to COVID, essentially 20 percent of the business was was digital and then you know within days within weeks you're looking at you know 70 percent of that business and so um i i would i i would tell you that we you know we will continue to to grow um that business and and to leverage our our you know, Chipotle rewards. We have yeah, when it's twelve, like thirteen million in, enrolled members. So you'll you know so you'll see us continue to work in some of those areas. And really, again, it's just a matter of of how can we have you know authentic, genuine conversations with people who've been really loyal to the brand while bringing new people along for the uh, for the, the for the guac journey, if you if you will. So um, that's one area. The Chipotle's also are I think really cool, and um, you know I know that our development team is is really looking um, you know opportunistically at where we can at where we can. Um, deploy Chipotle lanes. And so uh, those are some of the areas. But, you know, look, the, the, the purpose has, has really been the same since day one. And essentially, the, you know, the ingredients have as well. So it's a matter of how do you, how do you optimize? And so, you know, it, it, it's, if you love Chipotle, you're going to love it even more five years down the road, I would say. Well, that's really great to hear. You know, when we talked to the head of talent from Zoom last uh, week, you know, she talked yeah. about how 
that COVID really, they went from being a B2B company to suddenly being also B2C, also in education, also in, you know, That's right. all, they totally changed for them in a way they could never have predicted or understood, but yes. they made it happen, right? And, and so it seems like Chipotle's had to, you know, like you said, suddenly become far more digital, become, change, maybe your customers are the same, but how they want to interact and how they wanted to to get their orders and, and all of that changed. And you guys had to to kind of make that happen. So I imagine out of some of that, we may begin to see some other neat things from you guys in the next few years that, you know, maybe a part of a different experience, but the same, I guess maybe the same, same outcome, right? Of, of whatever your, your favorite thing is yeah. that there, that the outcome is the same, even if the the starting point to the, the end point is a little different. And that might be kind of exciting. Well, I, I, absolutely. It's exciting for us too. And, 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 and there, there is this, you know, there was a, certainly an, an undeniable startup momentum through our transformation over the last couple of years. And you want to be nimble. You want to be scrappy. Um, and, and we are. And so I also think that it, it's, it's, it's an extension of some of those some of those behaviors and some of those competencies that have really um, been foundational in our transformation that just sort of manifest into some different areas of, of the business. And that's what we're experiencing. So I absolutely would, 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 uh, would concur and, and understand what, uh, what Zoom is going through and what they're going through is, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty exciting. And I think, you know, we feel, um, we feel the same way. We're, you know, we're all about, um, it's interesting because you're kind of ban- uh, balancing innovation and comfort, right? Um, okay. But but certainly exciting times and 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 I think that um, you know I I'm really blown away. I was I was chatting with some of the team members about the um, evolution of our of our purpose and how it's really uh, shifted over the course of you know cultivate a better world. Right, 2018 you know there was a lot of hope, a lot of new people, and 2019 we we're starting to get some reps, and all of a sudden now there's this sort of responsibility to take care of some really. Um, wonderful people who've been negatively impacted by what we're all um, experiencing, and so you know, look, we're we're up to the we're up to the challenge, um, and 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 we understand that um, you know we we have to have, you know, we really want to provide you with an excellent burrito, but from from there, it 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 can really allow us to be of great service to to so many in so many different uh, areas, and that's that's what we're committed to right now. That's great. Well, one of the things that we can always be doing, whether we're in COVID or times are good or times are bad or times are difficult, is, you know, to be learning, I think. And so we'd love to ask our guests, you know, is there a book that you're reading right now or one that you typically suggest people check out if they would you know, like to learn and grow in a particular way? You know, I would I would say that, uh, you know, the one that one that is, you know, from an index perspective, I think there's um, the, um, the Gallup, you know, so there's a book that came out last year called it's the manager, right? And 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 I, I think that you know when you look at our business and you look at at some similar businesses, if you have a really excellent manager, general manager, you're probably going to have an excellent experience, right? And right. so understanding that we are look in my role and my team, and I have a you know I have a the best team I've ever I've ever supported, but. You know, we're a service bureau for our field leaders and for our, our field partners. And if we can ensure that we have excellent people running the respective, you know, restaurants and 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 and, and units, then um, you know that's that's probably half the battle from a talent acquisition perspective. And so I think that that um, you know that book really gives you really hones in on the the importance of ensuring that you have 
excellent managers in the organization, right? And understanding that we, you know, from a support center perspective, are really all of service to people doing just, I mean, I'm so blown away by the amazing work that they're doing, um, especially now, and just shifting and pivoting. So just, just proud to be of service to them. Well, Mike, we really appreciate you being on the show today and kind of giving us some deeper insight on, onto what Chipotle is doing, and it's exciting to hear, and we certainly will be uh, interested in and having you come back at some point and sharing all the new things that are going on. But how can people get a hold of you? How can they find out more about maybe jobs at Chipotle or if they want to learn more about uh, the business? What's the best way for them to, to do that? Yeah, I would I would, um, I would, would just wait. check us out on uh, people of Chipotle, on LinkedIn, um, recruiting at Chipotle. You can always, you can always email us or um, jobs at Chipotle. So we're not too, not too hard to find. And, and we are, you know, we are open, we are growing, we are hiring, we are retaining. There's a lot of good stuff, Chris. So I really appreciate the, the opportunity to connect with you and with your, and with your audience. And, you know, certainly wish, wish you all the best and would be happy to come back whenever. Okay. Fantastic. Thanks, Mike, so much for being on the show today. We're going to take a quick commercial break, and we'll be right back uh, with my second guest, Paul Gibbons. Imagine buying a newspaper and discovering that the news you're reading is six months old. There isn't much that stays the same for six months, and the same thing goes for background checks. In a time when so much outdated information is being passed around, it's good to know that People G2 offers something different. At People G2, we provide today's intelligence, not yesterday's news. Our value-added approach offers you a fully FCRA-compliant solution that includes up-to-the-minute information. By combining industry-leading technology with old-school human investigation, People G2 is able to give you information that is accurate right now, delivered quickly to our online system, or integrated with your HR system. So ask yourself, are you comfortable working with old news? Or are you ready for a different kind of background check company? Visit PeopleG2.com or call 800-630-2880. That's 800-630-2880 or PeopleG2.com. Welcome back to the Town Talk Radio Show. In case you missed my first guest, Mike Miller of Chipotle. You can uh, check out his interview along with the one we're about to do. We'll post it up on uh, talenttalkradio.com, on iTunes, wherever you find your podcast, you can find us. Don't forget to follow at PeopleG2 or that hashtag Talent Talk if you want to see all the best little one-liners we throw up there, links to books and different things we talked about. That's kind of the place where the kind of our little wall where we can kind of keep all that information. So check us out there. I'm really excited. You know, as we mentioned, we are having uh, some really great brands on the show here in June to kind of talk about what's going on in the world. And we're also having some of our favorite people who, uh, from a thought leader standpoint, who can help talk to us from from that angle about what's going on back on the show. And so uh, my next guest uh, is a, is a repeat, uh, repeat offender, I should say, to the Talent Talk radio program. And uh, so welcome uh, Paul Gibbons back into the show, best-selling author and uh, specializing in culture and change. So, Paul, welcome back. Well, thanks for having me. What crazy times we live in. Very crazy. I mean, things have drastically changed since we had you on the show. Uh, in, in fact, it wasn't too much after the show that it kind of everything started happening. I think what, we had was you it, on was in it Dece- Was it December? I think it was I February think. we had you on, maybe. I don't oh, know. Oh, it was but, February. And things yeah. seemed so placid. And there was a strange yeah. thing going on in China. And yeah, how the world has changed. I hope you oh, and your sure. family are are safe and prospering and yeah, so far so good. We've known some people that were ill. We have known some people that have passed, um, but you know uh, the, the immediate family has been has safe and, and ever okay. But why don't you tell everyone a little bit about you? 
uh, remind them in case they didn't hear you the first time you were on the show, you know, who you are, what you do. Let's kind of get a get a level set there and then we can kind of dive in. Uh, I, I write books. Um, I'm, I'm a recovering management consultant and a recovering CEO of a management consulting firm and um, a recovering investment banker. I can't 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 think what else I'm recovering from. Lots of recovery there. Mostly I write books about change and about culture change now. And I give keynotes on ethics, the future of work, humanizing business, change, culture change, innovation, that sort of the human side of business. I think that's where you and you and I uh, converge is our sort of passion for the human side of business. I live in Colorado. I've got two kids. I read nonfiction. Uh, these days I watch Netflix compulsively. You know, you're in bad shape when you start running out of Netflix shows to watch. And I have two small boys. Yeah. 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 I'm with you there. I'm with you there. So, uh, you know, I, actually, I think I remember we actually had you back on in November. So uh, it was a little bit farther out than that. But, but uh, yeah, you know, it, with everything going on, I mean, sort of if you weren't someone who thought about change, if you weren't someone that was interested in, in change and making change happen, change has just happened to you. Um, yeah. So what, what, what should people be thinking about right now as we're in the middle of all of this? Well, you know, it's easy to get hooked up in the drama and, ah, you know, with good reason, right? There's a lot of people, there are a lot of people suffering right now. Uh, I was sorry to hear that you lost people in your, in your circle there. Um, I, I don't know whether I'm deluded, but I feel really optimistic about what I've seen by the human response. You know, we've seen collaboration on the scale of billions of people, if you think about it that way, right? You know, it's patchy. There are places where it's less so much. But, you know, who, if I'd have said to people, I know if you'd said to me back in the show, back in November, you're going to be wearing masks at the grocery store to the gym every day, I'd have said you were nuts, right? If you were to say to the chief executive of a bank in November 2019 that 100% of their non-frontline staff would be working from home exclusively, they'd have said you were nuts. Uh, And so, the, the 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 virus, the infection has ripped the mandate off a lot of changes that were, you know, percolating slowly, virtual working uh, being the most notable of them. And we've become to some new things. I mean, we may be tired of them, but, you know, virtual work, remote work, um, social distancing. And I think it's amazing how fast we've adapted, because from my point of view, it's almost overnight. Right. Yeah. So and, one day and- we weren't and one day we were. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> I mean, and that really is the, there are a few silver linings out of this uh, COVID stuff. And one of them was it forced people into this, you know, what, what does work from home look like that you can have people do that? My company's been 100% remote since 2009, and we've been singing its praises. We've been talking about it, but there's always been that group of people that were just like, no way, that could never happen. My company will never do that. There's no, and then here they were suddenly doing it, Right. And and so sometimes the what is it necessity is the mother of invention. I mean, they found a way to do it. They overcame the barriers because they had to. So I, I know you've written about sort of this concept of, of black swans, and so maybe we're we're sort of here right now in some of that right now. Maybe even two of them right now. Uh, what what are we learning from that perspective? A uh, black swan for people who you know not read the books or don't know what it is. It's something that happens one in a, once in a generation or once every hundred years. And we've had two of them within six weeks, right? Yeah. <laughs> so it, it's crazy. And uh, to speak to your point, I mean, the speed at which medicine has moved online, exercise and workouts has moved online, work has moved online, uh, connection with friends and family has moved online. 
I just think that's been so, I mean, telemedicine has been something that doctors have wanted to happen for a long time. And all of a sudden, that's all there was for March. I think it's remarkable how adaptable, most of the books on change, by the way, talk about how difficult change is and how long it takes and how much, and people rallied around the flag uh, very quickly. So I think we've learned some great things, right? I mean, we, co- we cooperate today with one another. If you wear a mask, it doesn't protect you at all. All it does is protect your fellow humans. So when I see a grocery store of people wearing masks, I think, you know what? These guys are stepping up. And that's the kind of altruism and compassion. I think it really gives me heart, you know, to, when I see that. So, that, I mean, that's one thing. And the other thing is how quickly businesses have learned and adapted and changed. I mean, there's, this has sparked innovation in the business space. Robot delivery is now a thing in some major cities, whereas that's something that was on the slow boil. So I'm, I'm, I'm inspired by what humanity has been able to achieve during this time. Um, well, maybe you know, that, that makes w- me sound stupid. <laughs> no, and I think what has always been missing in change is people didn't understand why we needed to change, right? Maybe yeah. a couple executives got in a boardroom and they decided they were going to make a change, but everyone else in the organization didn't get it. Yeah. And and so you try to make change and no one understands it. They don't know why we're doing it. It's not connected to some purpose. It's not connected to some outcome. And then they're like, oh, change is hard. Right. But when suddenly everyone understood why we had to change, well, we have if we want a job, if we want to keep this company going, if we want a paycheck. I mean, it was very clear we had to change in order to survive. And and so it worked. Right. So how, how do we take that lesson home? How do we how, how do we take that and, and make that work when it's not a, a global pandemic making us try to change? Right. Well, I'm still I'm still puzzling over it. You know, I mean, this is a subject I, you know, when someone says they're an expert on change, if someone says to you at a dinner party, they're an expert on change, I, I would immediately get suspicious because it's a very complex and difficult subject. Mm-hmm. There's almost as many different change paths as there are human beings and organizations in the world. Uh, so I'm not sure what we can take abstract from this, because to be honest, in my lifetime, I've never seen anything like it. I have never seen this speed of adaptability. Again, it was like throwing a light switch. Uh, I came back from Europe on March the 9th, and uh, the CDC and the U.S. government sometime around the third week of March said we're going to practice social distancing and mask wearing, and it was as if overnight. And I, I just wonder... You know, there was a very good article in in The Economist magazine that said um, we flattened the covert curve. And I think when the history of this is written, it will be a great triumph for humanity. You know, the Spanish flu cost 20 million lives. Yeah. And I think globally we're at, I think, 400,000 now or something like that. And we'll never know what would have happened if we haven't reacted as swiftly and as decisively as we did. But to listen to, you know, the experts, it could have been 10 times worse. We wouldn't have been looking at 8 million cases worldwide. We would have been looking at 80 million or many more. And I think it's a triumph for us is how we rallied, again, rallied around the frag as human beings. So I I think that's exceptional. Uh, You know, I I guess I I find myself saying that over and over again. I'm, I'm really inspired by it. And some of the leaders, I think there's some interesting leadership lessons. I mean, I don't know what you're taking away from what you're hearing from other people. But there's been so many surprises in the leadership space. I mean, one guy who I'd never really, I mean, I'd heard of him, but I never paid attention to was Andrew Cuomo, right? Mm-hmm. And we normally want to evaluate leaders by the results they achieve, right? That's kind of standard. But there's so much variability in what happens with this virus. New York City was the hardest hit city, is that right, in the world? Yeah, by some margin. 
Yeah. But yet he's been lauded for his leadership. And so we have to ask yourself, well, why? And as I'd heard that he was being praised, I thought, well, I better tune into one of his briefings. Like, what's this guy doing that mm -hmm. looks exemplary as a leader? I don't know. Did you get a chance to listen to any of his? Uh, his I, I did. Uh, I did. And it was like, you know, it was that stuff that I think a lot of us have been talking about for a long time that a lot of leaders just don't want to do. I mean, he was he was tough, right? He was upfront. He took things head on. He was transparent. He was. You know, it was just these things. I often, a lot of the CEOs that I work with don't want to be transparent. They don't want to, to take things out. They want to avoid and they want to pass it off to somebody else. Right? And he was sort of taking it very head on and, uh, yeah. uh, you know, and, and with, 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 with a certain amount of humility and, and, and humor at times. I mean, he has a, he's got a way about him, right? That I don't, uh, there's a certain thing about him that you can't teach. Uh, that's a, a personality thing as well. I, I don't know. Yeah, he was very real. Could you teach people to be? I mean, well, that's one of the things. He didn't pull any punches. So he didn't pretend. He didn't provoke. Mm -hmm. He didn't soften. He didn't, you know, none of none of that stuff. He he didn't duck the blame. He took 100 percent responsibility. This is, you know, this is this is happening on my watch. And everything that's happening on my watch is my responsibility. And he was deeply empathetic. I think that was remarkable, transparent, as you said. He was also very elaborate in talking through to his followers, you know, the people listening, exactly the steps they were taking. So he was saying, you know, this is horrible and it could get worse and it could get much worse. However, if we join forces together and follow these steps, I believe that we'll we'll triumph. But, you know, there was no pretending and there was no optimism right. and there was no casting of blame. Well, actually, he did cast some blame around, so I, yeah. should, I should take that back. He cast a little blame centrally. Well, later but, on, uh, again, he got a little political, but I think he, prior he, to that, he yeah. Did. Yeah, he, he, um, he, he did. And I think uh, less, he, so than he, less so than he might have done, but, you know, yeah, I mean, he did say, you know, well, where's the got, help we need? Right. I mean, he was advocating, right, for, for yeah. what he needed for his people. I mean, that, that, that part. And certainly, I think there was some politics that showed up on his doorstep, whether he wanted it or not. But, you know, it, it sort of reminds me of that term being an authentic leader, right? He certainly was very authentic. And I, I sort of, I've heard that kind of passed around sometimes with, you know, a bit of lack of, I don't know, the, the authority that it should have. But for him, it certainly worked. And I think the other thing, and I, we're not really a show that gets into politics here, but you know, I think if you if you enjoy the president's messages and his his approach on this, then you would tune into the president. And if you didn't, you probably turned into Como, right? If you wanted a different different sort of way to think about this or to deal with it, I mean, there was certainly a a, a different message for different types of people that uh, would choose different leaders. So I think he certainly resonated for a particular population of the country, even if they weren't in New York, which was another part of it, right? Yes. Yeah, he rose to national. There's an interesting quote, by the way, I have in my new book, uh, by the way, from Denzel Washington. I don't know if you're a Denzel Washington fan. There's yeah, a sure. sort of che a cheesy B-movie he was in called The Equalizer. And uh, he's about to open up a can of whoop-ass on somebody. And he says, <laughs> my friend, uh, there are two kinds of pain in this world. Pain that hurts and pain that alters. Mm. Today you get to choose. I, 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 I think that I, I stumbled across that, you know, I'm desperate for television these days. And right. I thought, what a marvelous phrase, you know, this is uh, in the circumstances where there's pain that hurts and there's pain that alters. And uh, anyway. Yeah, uh, and we I can see that, good. right? The, the right. FDA is suddenly, up, you know, doing moving at a speed we've never seen. 
the the SBA process more loans in a few months than they have in like 16 years. I mean, yeah, so, insane, right? I, I, right. I mean, this that, that we can do these things if we are motivated and want to. If we want to move faster, we can. I mean, it reminds me of stories we've heard of on, on the way in which we mobilized and moved in World War II. Exactly. Right? Exactly. You know? And and so it's like. Uh, I guess we can't always be sprinting. We can't always be moving at that speed. It would be no, exhausting. But, you know, it's like, how, how could you do? I guess my mind goes, how could we channel that every few years into something really good, right? Like to somehow improve our country or improve our status. If we could all get together and it's almost like a, a, a scrum and agile, right? It's this idea of sprinting yeah. for a particular thing. You don't sprint all the time. Um, but we, when you know what you're highly mobilized and highly focused on an issue, you can get a lot done. And that's... That might be the the big lesson out of this. It was it was ex- extraordinarily quick. I mean, Congress, uh, you know, analysis paralysis or political paralysis uh, moved very quickly. But yeah. there was another optimistic uh, note sounded about this: is that we've done such an amazing job flattening the COVID curve. The Economist magazine, which is a right of center magazine, um, from well, it's read by it's not it comes out of Europe, but it's read by chief executives and diplomats and presidents around the world, and it, um, the the economist said, we've shown if that we can flatten the COVID curve, and we've done an amazing job doing that, you know, with, you know, the caution that it could come back and don't declare victory too soon. It said, what would happen if we could flatten the climate curve or the plastics curve with this amount of alacrity? And I thought, wow, that's crazy. Or the mm-hmm. poverty, or, you know, pick another issue, the poverty curve, the violence right. and city curve, you know, whatever, pick a pick a curve. And I thought that was also an inspirational method message. Yeah, and I think what we got back to the that pain part, right? Or the or if it's fear or whatever it is, that people were afraid or had that pain that they could get this, that they could become sick. And and again, we're not this show's not meant to go into politics, but certainly I don't. There are people who don't aren't afraid they're going to be in poverty, and so that's not a problem that they are necessarily worried about that they're going to end up into, right? And so how do we? How do we shape some of that to, for, for people to want to go after and handle some of these problems, even if it's not something that they can get, catch, or become? Um, that is a problem for our society. You know, that's, uh, yeah. So uh, hopefully there are lessons. Um, you know, I, I think uh, one of the questions we were going to ask you about in your new book was about spirituality and, and capitalism. And maybe you could kind of, we seem to be kind of dipping our toe into that here. So maybe you could kind of explain, you know, where, you, where you're headed with that. with the new Well, it's, it's kind of, oxy, it sounds like an oxymoronic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what and what, what? Um, it's called Spirituality Work Capitalism. Um, I'm trying to write a book about spirituality at work and how ideas from ancient wisdom traditions, and I do mean include uh, religious traditions, but, you know, also some Eastern traditions, some mystical traditions, some New Age stuff, some humanism, but trying to include a book about what is it that we as human resources, as people specialists, you and me, and the rest of the world who work on the human side of business can learn from these traditions um, without subscribing, you know, I, it's not a book that doesn't have, has metaphysical stuff in it or anything like that, but you know, people have been writing about humankind and the human condition for 2,500 years. But sometimes when I read books on the popular press or in LinkedIn or something, it's as if this stuff was first thought of yesterday. And so I, I go back to, you know, biblical and Quranic and Talmudic wisdom. But I also have a heavy, heavy input from uh, philosophers, particularly the Greek philosophers pre, pre, uh, pre year zero. Uh, before the birth of Christ. So anyway, that's the book. And um, 
And uh, what can we learn about motivation to work? What can we learn about purpose? What can we learn about meaning? What can we learn about motivation? What can we learn about values? What can we, you know, so that's the thing. And I'm trying to write a book also that appeals to uh, not just the traditionally religious. Uh, I don't number myself among them. Uh, although there's a lot of, you know, religious stuff in there, but also mystics and new age and humanists and environmentalists and all of the people who would describe themselves as spiritual, but would subscribe to a, an orthodox faith. So th that's the book. Uh, uh, <laughs> I started writing it the last time we talked. I think it was probably on the back burner and it was going to be something that was short and quick. And uh, I'm, I'm now... <laughs> That does not it. sound short. And quick. It doesn't, doesn't it? Right. <laughs> especially, especially the stuff on capitalism. Now I got four. I mean, you may have heard of the book Conscious Capitalism and books in yep. that vein and sustainability. So by the end of the book, I'm tackling big issues like that. It's like, what does what do these wisdom traditions say about how we ought to conduct ourselves with regard to, you know, the poor, with regard to the planet, with regard to some of the bigger issues of capitalism and society? So it's hella ambitious. You, you know, I, I hope it's a good book. I hope it's a great book. You never know. I'm trying to do a lot of things with it. So we shall see. Anyway, that'll be out, you know, inshallah, as they say in the Middle East, in, in 60 days or 90 days or something like that. Right. Well, I, you know, I, one of the things I think when you go back to the some older wisdom that you've mentioned, one of the things that I sort of am reminded on is that, you know, the, the lot, most of what we know to be true, most great wisdom has already been figured out. And yet, for some reason, we don't, it seems to be new to us, right? It's sort of every generation comes yeah. around and it's like, yeah. unlike a computer that can, can remember and continually learn on top of it, it's like it's like a brand new thing, generation after generation. I, I did, we did, yeah. did, dipped into stoicism with my book club and it was like, oh, holy crap, this is like... This stuff has been around for so long. Are you going to touch? Is your plan on touch of what? Maybe why we forget these lessons? Why we have to constantly revisit them and relearn them? Well, the cynic in me, by the way, I'm glad you touched on modern stoicism because I've certainly put a lot of that into the book. But um, the cynic in me partly believes that um, one of the things that sells a lot of books and sells a lot of consulting hours and a lot of keynotes is coming up with something that's got a new name. <laughs> Uh, a, right. a new name for an old idea, new, a new uh, old wine and new bottles. I think they call it. Yes. And and uh, you you do considerably less well if you say, oh, I don't know, point to something like Marcus Aurelius or Epictetus or something like that. So, so yeah, that is one of my criticisms: is people would like to pretend that some of these ideas were invented yesterday for whatever reason. Um, and and not that there's not new thinking in the world, but there's an there's an idea in positive psychology called human flourishing that was developed yeah, around the turn of the millennium, let's say, maybe a little bit before, right? It's a complete echo of what Greek philosophers, the Stoics, were saying 2,500 years ago. And so I think it's interesting, right? So here we are, these academic philosophers publishing paper after paper on positive psychology and on on uh, human flourishing. And uh, it's 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 an echo of down the down the ages, down twenty five hundred right. years, and and they don't refer to it either. You know, it's as if they came up with it yesterday. So anyway, I'm with you. I I I, I I'll send you a copy. Uh, I'd, I'd love to know what you think. Yeah, be great. It's, I mean, it's been a hell of a journey writing it. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> well, I remember there was a book in the in the airports a few years ago, and it was a bestseller, and it was like in everyone's hands, and it was a good book. You know, 
But I read it and I was like, this is just Buddhism for millennials. I mean, this is just repackaged, you know, how, how to have a do you recall? Do you recall the name of it? I, 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 I do. The, the title is such that I can't repeat it on air. Uh, it has a, has a curse word in it. And that might give you a good hint. So. Oh, I know. I have that over there. I yes. Have, I have, and it's I have a, and it's a good book, but like it never says, listen, you know, basically. The subtle art of, of not giving an F? Or yes. That, that yes. One? That, that yeah, is yeah, that yeah, book. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, it's yeah. And, and I wish the authors would have said, listen, it. It's Buddhism, but I mean, it's a good, but it's a good story. And, I, I, and, and again, it was like, yeah, it was written for millennials, it was written for that generation. And so they got that exposure to those ideas, but it was like, you could have gone back and read, you know, I could have given them 15 other books and which said the exact same thing in different way. But, you know, it's, it, it's that wisdom. And I, I, I wish we could figure it out, but it's like, uh, I remember when I first saw the matrix uh, yeah. And he suddenly had that thing put in the back of his head and he could learn anything, right? Suddenly he could fly a, a, a helicopter, he could learn Kung Fu, he could play a guitar, whatever. And I was like, you know, if we could do that, we wouldn't have to be, we could possibly learn something new instead of spending our whole life learning, I guess, things that other generations have already figured out. So uh, that would be dope, I, right? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> do you remember um, there was a scene in The Matrix where Cypher, who was the baddie, you remember Cypher? He was yeah. the guy that betrayed them. And he's yeah. sitting with the agent and he says, you know, I know this steak isn't real. And I know that it's just my brain telling me that it's juicy and delicious. But you know what? I don't care. That's right. That's <laughs> uh, right. You, you know, uh, <laughs> just give me give me the blue pill and put me back in, 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 the, in the matrix. And yeah. uh, there was an experiment done by Harvard philosopher. You'll love this guy called Robert Nozick, um, who said if we could in, scientists could invent a pleasure machine. That would give you all of the pleasurable experiences of your life, just as your life is now, but, you know, all, just all of the pleasure. He would ask people, he, you know, conduct as an experiment is, would you, you know, step into the pleasure machine and, you know, hang out there rather than live your life? And people invariably said no. Well, that's interesting. Why, you know, would you say no? Why would you eschew a life that's, uh, you know, 100 percent pleasure rather than the you know, the measure of pain and pain and pleasure that we, you know, all face in our day to day. And so there are some interesting answers in, in, in my book and from Robert Nosing in that. And one of the reasons is meaning is that the darker sides of life give our life meaning. Right. Um, and the other, you know, interesting thing is when you investigate this is why you wouldn't do it is it's not just that we want to feel good, but we want to do things we want to achieve. We want to generate experiences. And so, yeah, anyway. Uh, interesting, uh, interesting stuff. Yeah. Well, Paul, we're out of we're out of time here. I just want to make sure we give a shout out. How can people get a hold of you if they're interested in learning more? Oh, uh, my website's due for an update, but uh, it's paulgimmons.net, and it's got links to YouTube and LinkedIn and my blog and um, various talks and all my books and everything like that. So that's the one-stop shop for all things Paul Gibbons. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today. Again, we have uh, learned so much, and I really appreciate you being here to share your wisdom. Good luck with the book, and I can't wait uh, to read it. Yeah, you keep up the good work, too, and uh, make sure everybody stays safe. All right. Our next uh, live show will be June 23rd, and we'll talk to some HR, more HR experts kind of helping us through all this COVID crisis uh, and trying to help us thrive. So until then, do what you love and show the world how talented you can be today. been listening to Talent Talk Radio brought to you by People G2.